everyone. This is Regina. Hi, horse lovers. This is Lynn. This week on the Horse Industry Podcast. Regina, I finished listening to our part one of the Rex Cobble story. And just to recap for our listeners, we're talking about the Cobble connection and Rex Cobble, Texas scandal of drugs, sex, and greed. Whoa. So we want to make this for our listeners so that you you don't have to listen to part one and part two to get an idea of where we're going, but it's always better if you do. Well, yeah, because you get the full story. Yeah. So we talked a lot, just kind of how Rex got started in the oil and gas industry, how he made his fortune. He married Josephine and he met up with muscles. Muscles. So here's, here's a quick recap on part one of the Cowboy Mafia. Muscles Foster was, he was in an unfortunate looking yet very talented cowboy Lynn. His childhood was not easy, but he found his talents trading and training horses. It said that there was nobody better than Muscles Foster. We touched on it in the first episode that Muscles really had no muscles. (laughs) His abilities in the equine world provided him with the opportunities to meet wealthy, well-connected Texas oilman. One such oil man was Rex Cobble. Rex was a hardworking, strategic go-getter who was proud of his famous friends and stellar image. I have a sense of admiration for Rex Cobble from what I read. Now, the book that I read was called Cowboy Mafia by Roy Graham. And this was Rex Cobble's private pilot. Now, of course, This gentleman could not say enough wonderful things about Rex Cobble. And so because of that, I was kind of influenced by his perspective of Rex. But when we sat down to talk about this, you kind of surprised me. You had a little different feeling about Rex. You know, so when I read the book that I read, which Mm -hmm. was by Gene Wilson, I didn't dislike Rex. Mm -hmm. I almost felt sorry for him. Mm -hmm. But when I was in Texas, so again, this is if you're from Texas, you know this story. And a lot of the old time horsemen, so it would be like the fathers of some of the trainers that I know that knew him back in like the 70s, they didn't necessarily like Rex. I mean, they kind of felt like Rex might have been a little bit of a shyster. Was he kind of like a J.R. Ewing? Well, I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, right. it's all about money and greed and getting status, influence, who he was, the name. A user. He was a user. Mm -hmm. Like he used his his connections. He loved to see his name in the paper. He loved to see an article written about him having dinner with the governor. So I think that he liked all that. Mm -hmm. But again, I don't necessarily, and we're going to talk through this. I mean, he's going to go to trial and and I know that you've prepared that, but Mm -hmm. I just wonder if karma, if he was really... (laughs) the criminal that he's accused of being and goes to jail for. But maybe just karma caught up with him and maybe it's just, it was just karma and he wasn't necessarily a criminal. But it's such a departure. His relationship and his support and I would even go so far as to say fatherly love towards Muscles Foster is such a departure from the man that you just described. And you're right. I mean, I have read a number of articles where they said that when Rex was mad, everybody knew it. 
I mean, he had a temper on him. And if you got chewed out by him, you got chewed out by the best. Yeah, he didn't hold anything back when he's angry. No. So what was it about Muscles Foster? Anyway, so to keep on with the recap, the two, Rex and Muscles, formed a symbiotic friendship that obviously transcended any kind of logic. Muscles needed Rex, but for some reason, Rex also needed Muscles. Rex coddled Muscles, and their years of friendship created a tight bond in that father-son relationship like we talked about. In fact, Muscles called him Papa. For all of his talent with horses, Muscles was a lightweight Romeo and an unfocused Cobble Enterprises employee. I think because he was wearing Wranglers and cowboy boots, that's how he got women, because he surely wasn't good looking. (laughs) No. He's a cowboy, but... (laughs) He was a talented cowboy, but women and their willingness to milk Muscles for all he was worth haunted him, and his ego, as we know, was easily bruised. This typically resulted in muscles taking off to parts unknown in an all-too-familiar, broken-hearted, vanishing act, which he did regularly. Muscles saw money as the only way to get and keep a woman's attention. Rex, of course, was always there to pick up the pieces of muscles' life time and time again. Yeah, and there's stories about the mental health issues and muscles family. I believe it was his sister that committed suicide and there was a lot of, there was a lot of mental health issues and that comes to play in muscles favor when it comes trial time. Well, and if you think about that time in history, mental health issues were often not understood or treated properly. Yeah. There was one time that Muscles disappeared on one of his broken-hearted trips that landed him at the Hawkins Ranch in Georgia. Hawkins and Rex Cobble had done some horse business in the past. At Ray Hawkins Ranch, Muscles met some good old boys that had a lot of time and money to burn. One of them, Gerties, was already under surveillance by law enforcement for marijuana smuggling. When law enforcement ran the plates of the vehicle that happened to show up at the Hawkins Ranch, it brought the spotlight onto Rex Cobble as Muscle's vehicle that he drove there was registered to Cobble Enterprises. Justified or not, this set in motion the downfall of Rex. Now, there are a couple, again, the books that you and I read were awesome resources. There's also a research paper done by a woman named Charlotte Thornburg from Texas Women's University called Rex Cobble, Texas Businessman or Marijuana Kingpin. And she really outlined what happened in a very effective way. Some of the members of the Cowboy Mafia, as the group would later be called by the media, were at Hawkins Ranch when Muscles arrived with a broken heart. Carlos Gerties and Jamie Holland were there, and from this point forward, Muscles was easily lured into the marijuana smuggling business because of the influence of those men on him during that visit. Muscles was, as we know, very talented with horses, but he actually became a mule himself in the smuggling business as he helped to offload the marijuana for Hawkins and his associates. According to the book by Roy Graham that we've talked about called Cowboy Mafia, Muscles actually approached Hawkins asking to be more deeply involved in the marijuana business. Apparently, he just didn't like being a mule and doing that tough work of offloading the marijuana. He wanted he wanted a bigger piece of the pie. Now, I understand because he barely did anything and Rex Cobble kept handing him more responsibility and handing him more access to things. So 
muscles thought, you know what? Maybe Hawkins is going to take me under his wing as well. And guess what? Hawkins did. Hawkins was happy to oblige because this opened a new opportunity for his group to include the many ranches of Rex Cobble and also provide, being that it's Texas now instead of Florida, an entry point for the smuggling to come into the country, which they didn't have. Muscle's access to all the ranches of Rex Cobble provided a perfect place for the Hawkins group to store their marijuana. After all, Rex owned many ranches. And as we know, Muscle's literally had the keys to the kingdom. Yeah. And Muscle's could just tell people not to show up to work. Yeah. And yeah. And, and they Re- wouldn't. Rex wasn't checking on any of no. that. No. Rex was too busy flying all over, hobnobbing and getting to know the famous yes. people. Well, because of Rex's never ending, and let's face it, blind support of Muscle's, Rex provided Muscle's with the transportation, allegedly paying for the shrimp boats, plane tickets, moving trucks, and so on for Muscle's because Muscle's decided to do a new business shrimping. Now, this was clearly a cover, but Rex for some reason bought it. The plane trips that Muscles took, piloted by Roy Graham, who wrote the book that I read, were presented as Muscles needing to do, quote unquote, horse business. And Rex and Roy totally believed him. But of course, it was the marijuana smuggling business. I think it was like Rex's own relationship with his stepson, Lewis. It was just kind of like, okay, like, go entertain yourself, take the plane. And he just didn't, he didn't care what he was doing. Yeah. As long as they were happy and busy. Yeah. And he figured there everything was fine. Yep. Rex paid a little bit more attention, right? Don't you just think that there must have been a little sliver of, huh, He was too shrewd. Rex was too shrewd not to have had, but I think that he just felt like if I stick my head in the sand Mm -hmm. and I'm not on that plane and I pretend Mm -hmm. that I don't know what's going on, then I'm I'm not liable. Yeah. So anyway, it was a marijuana smuggling business. Now, at some point, Hawkins, who was pretty much the person who brought muscles in and he'd been doing this for a long time, bought a Texas ranch from Rex Cobble. Hawkins gave Cobble $100,000 for the ranch, which obviously gave him property in Texas. And then Cobble agreed not to claim the sale on his taxes. This transfer of money and ownership of this ranch was eventually used as evidence for Rex Cobble's involvement with the drug smuggling crowd. Prosecutors said, well, of course Rex knew. I mean, he was already, he was already doing business with Hawkins. Yeah. And just to remind our listeners of Hawkins' involvement in the quarter horse industry, he was the owner of Tardy 2. And we talked about that in the first episode. Yep. And Tardy 2 actually was also owned at one point by the people who own Gordyville. Right? That's right. Okay. I'm making all these connections. Somehow the smuggling business was successful for a period of time, but it all came crashing down on November 29th, 1978 in Port Arthur, Texas. The Agnes Pauline, a quote unquote shrimping boat, came into port loaded with 40,000 pounds of marijuana. Now, the group that was on this shrimping boat should have known they were on a bad luck streak as the Agnes Pauline barely survived the harrowing trip to Columbia and back through bad seas, lack of food and water, and a crew that was low on patience and cigarettes. They were happy to see land 
only to have law enforcement waiting for them upon arrival. Ironically, law enforcement was already tipped off as to their impending arrival, but the strong odor of marijuana wafing from the boat would have totally gave them away. Like walking through a college (laughs) dorm. Yes. (laughs) And amazingly, the Agnes Pauline literally had to go by the Coast Guard station to get into the public docks. And the thing, it was almost like a green cloud around this around this shrimping boat. As soon as they docked, according to Roy Graham, customs agents, treasury agents, the local sheriff, and other law enforcement popped up wielding guns and handcuffs. It's reported that one of the agents actually pointed a gun at Les Fuller, who, as you recall, was the previous manager of Cutter Bill's Western World and a member of the Cowboy Mafia, and asked if Les Fuller was ready to give agents the big man in Denton. So clearly they had their sights set on bringing down Rex Cobble. This was Les Fuller's first time to captain the ship too. What an unfortunate manager. He couldn't manage the retail store. He was a complete failure. Rex kept giving him chance after chance after chance to not sink that retail shop. And then now he's trying to be the captain of a smuggling shrimping boat. And he failed at that as well. Yeah. Poor guy. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Seizure of the Agnes Pauline that day would end up being the largest load of marijuana ever seized in the history of Texas. It was worth at least $30 million on the street. Muscles at that time named Rex Cobble as the financier and the kingpin of the smuggling operation. Cobble was arrested in his hometown of Denton, Texas. Muscles disappeared, and everyone thought Muscles was dead. Eventually, members of the Cowboy Mafia took the stand against Cobble, supporting the claim that he was the kingpin behind everything. Hawkins testified against Cobble. He claimed that not only was Rex fully aware of the drug trafficking, he also financially supported their travels, money laundering, and plans for profits made and used during the smuggling. The only member of the Cowboy Mafia not ready to throw Rex Cobble under the bus in those early days was Les Fuller, who we just talked about. Of course, before he could testify in support of Rex Cobble, he died in a plane crash over the Gulf of Mexico two weeks before Rex Cobble's trial could begin. You know, Gina, if you think back to the episode that we did with George Valdez, how fate plays into all this. So if you listen to the George Valdez episode, their plane crashed full of cocaine. Mm -hmm. And if that plane had crashed and all of the cocaine had been lost, there's no cocaine cowboys. I mean, it changes that whole trajectory of the cocaine trafficking and trading if you lose those key players. And now here, Les Fuller, they're on this boat, it almost sinks, they're in a terrible storm. He had to navigate with instruments to get the boat into the dock. They make it, (laughs) they survive, just like George Valdez, they survive. And then, boom, Rex Cobble is, I mean, indicted. it, It changes history. We are sponsored by Purple Power Equine. Looking to add performance, power, and balanced nutrition? Purple Power Equine has many products that will become essential in preparing your equine athlete for performance. Whether you need to help gut and hoof health or add weight, body, and dimension, 
Purple Power Equine can help bring success to your equine athlete. Gastro Power, Power Up. Hoof Power, Power Punch. Emergency Power. Visit purplepowerequine.com or on Facebook at Purple Power Equine. Yeah, and then Les Fuller still had yet another chance to change how these things were going to play out because he was going to go to Rex Cobble's defense. And what happens to him? His plane goes down. Right. And so was there any question whether or not that was foul play or do they believe that that was truly an accident? Both. I've seen both. Both. I think a lot of people speculated, but they could never prove what had happened to that well, plane. Well, and when that plane went down, they found the bodies of the others and they couldn't find Les Fuller's body. And so at, during that time, they couldn't find him. So they thought that he had somehow uh. escaped or, you know, parachuted, jumped off the crashing plane. Who knows? They couldn't, they didn't find his body. And so there's a ton of speculation during that period of time. But it was like, I don't know, a week or so later, Les Fuller's body did wash up and they did find it. Where's muscles? I'm getting there. He totally disappeared. Okay, because I'm getting witness protection, but I can't wait to hear what you have to say about muscles. Right. Okay, so the U.S. attorney tasked with prosecuting Rex Cobble labeled him the general in the cowboy mafia drug smuggling ring. The trial turned into a complete spectacle. And in fact, the prosecuting attorney received a yellow t-shirt in the mail one day. It had a picture of the Agnes Pauline on it. The boat's picture on the t-shirt was loaded down with marijuana and the boat was shown sailing across the state of Texas with the words cowboy mafia printed above it. Insiders at that federal building thought it was hilarious and they had more made. In fact, so many people in that federal building wore those t-shirts under their work clothes. They were everywhere. And people would like flash the yellow from the t-shirt. <laughs> oh, I want one of those t-shirts. Right? We gotta look it up. Those are probably collector's items now. Oh, we have to go look, we have to go look it up. Maybe we should release our own horse industry podcast sponsored <laughs> cowboy mafia t-shirts. <laughs> Anyway, eventually, one of those T-shirts was submitted as evidence by the defense, and the judge was furious. It was just an example of how the heavy media coverage and the attention that this whole situation received. Of well, co- and Governor Connolly sat next to they sat, sat there and in support, one hundred percent in support of Rex Cobble. Yeah, and of course, Rex Cobble adamantly denied any involvement or knowledge of the events. The defense relied heavily on character witnesses for Rex Cobble. John Conley was there to support him and many of Rex's high stature, well-respected friends that were both famous, both in the movie industry and in politics, they were there to support him. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I read too, Gina, that right before Rex was arrested and he had heard word that he may be being investigated, he reached out to Ross Perot. No way. Yeah. So he reached, so Ross Perot, who many of people of of our generation will know ran for president. He's Mm -hmm. a very wealthy businessman. He did run for president. He was like the Donald Trump. A little bit. He was like a random, oh my gosh, why is he running? 
Well, I mean, when I picture muscles, I picture muscles as Ross, <laughs> Ross Perot, Perot with the big ears. Yes. Right? So Skinny. So, yeah. 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 So Rex knew Ross Perot and the then governor, Bill Clements, had tasked Ross Perot as the person to lead the Texas war on drugs. So so Rex had reached out to Ross and actually they had met in the parking lot of Cutter Bill's. And it is the report that came out of that meeting from friends was that Ross said, I can't help you, Rex. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. That's got to be tough. Well, at the end of Rex Cobble's trial, Cobble was found guilty by the jury after only eight hours of deliberation. It's been noted, though, that Cobble's jury was not a jury of his peers, but seats were filled with hand-picked blue-collar workers. And it was said that it pretty much wasn't fair that perhaps the jury was incredibly biased because they were envious of Rex and his glamorous life. And it's even said that it was clear there's the jurors did not even pay attention during the trial. No, not to make a decision within eight hours. And I read yeah. in different in different publications as well, something very similar to that, that mm-hmm. it, it probably was not a fair trial. Was it just Rex's karma catching up with him? Well, we keep coming back to that, don't we? Cobble's reaction to his verdict was rather stoic. But afterwards, he stated, all I can say to all of you is that I'm terribly disappointed and surprised. And that's all I can say. Yeah. And I read where governor, former Governor Connolly and his wife wept uh-huh. at his side after he was convicted. Uh-huh. Like they truly they, they liked him. Yeah. Yeah. Rex Cobble was convicted of 10 counts, including three violations of the Racketeer Influence and Corrupt Organization Statute, three violations of the Travel Act, and four counts of misappropriation of bank funds. Rex was sentenced to 10 concurrent five-year prison terms, and the government took possession of his share of Cobble Enterprises' wealth and property. In Roy Graham's book, he stated that Rex Cobble lost $90 million in assets. Of course, Muscles wasn't around for a lot of this because he had disappeared. People thought he was dead. Muscles wasn't dead. Muscles, in one of his disappearing acts, escaped to Bolivia. The blabbermouth that he was, he told everyone in Bolivia that that would listen to him, that he was a wanted man. Duh. (laughs) (laughs) Muscles. Oh, my God. Muscles. Stop talking. (laughs) The DEA tracked him down in Bolivia and brought him back. Of course, Muscles got off the airplane in Florida and loved the attention. He was like a superstar, like a famous person getting off the airplane. (laughs) He loved the attention. The ever-insecure Muscles was finally a star. Muscles claimed innocence in his own trial by reason of insanity and actually was acquitted. This was done, as reported by Roy Graham, to prevent Muscles from testifying that Rex Cobble was in fact innocent and that Rex had no knowledge of the marijuana smuggling business. So even though in the beginning, Muscles totally put the spotlight on Rex Cobble and said he was the one, Muscles in the end decided to come clean. But then there was a report that said that Muscles was a pathological liar. 
I can see that about muscles. Yeah. So he was going to, and, and the the rationale behind muscles being acquitted for reasons of insanity was then he could, they wouldn't believe him if he said that Rex was innocent. Yeah. And Gina, one of the things that I read that really bothered me about the whole case and the trial against Rex, the FBI special agent in charge of Rex's case, his name was Joseph Masterson. Joseph Masterson really pushed hard to prosecute Rex and was, I mean, really behind the conviction. Mm -hmm. So get this. After Rex is convicted and goes to jail, Masterson retires from the FBI. And do you want to know who Masterson goes to work for? Who? He goes to work for Josephine, Rex's ex-wife and son, Louis, in order to dig up more dirt on Rex so that Josephine and Lewis can take over all of the business and shut Rex out. Oh. Like, do you think that's not a conflict of interest there? A little bit. A little bit. That's why, like, just reading these books and the different articles and everything, it is such a complex story to follow all of the different characters and connections. I mean... It's just, it's, it's a rabbit dumbfounding. hole. Absolutely. And I think that's what's, Lynn and I struggle sometimes with telling our listeners these stories because some of these stories, like the Joan Robinson Hill case or the Helen Brock case, and now this cowboy mafia case, we could do an entire season on these stories because there are so many different facets to the tale. In fact, and here's another interesting aside since we're going off topic for a moment. When Muscles came back. His sisters were trying to seek legal help for him. They reached out to a lawyer named Racehorse Haynes. Do you remember Racehorse Haynes? From one of the episodes that we did, Joan Robinson Hill? Yes. Racehorse Haynes represented John Hill in his murder trial of his wife, Joan Robinson Hill. All the connections. It's just crazy. It I mean, is. And, and to think... Obviously, we're the horse industry podcast, and we want to make sure that we're we're keeping a focus on the horse industry. But I mean, cutter bill, cutter bill, cutter bill, cutter bill, right, <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, but the it's whole, the people. It's the people. It's the cutter bill. It's the tardy too. Mm-hmm. It's all of Texas horse industry mm-hmm. was very. I mean, they would see on a regular basis. They'd see Rex and Josephine and muscles at shows at mm-hmm. events at horse industry events and mm-hmm. with the with the cutter bill stores or store so it's just it's crazy the connections and the corruption that's out there it is and there's a i feel a sense of of true sadness because in one of the articles that i was reading about rex cobble his home they did some aerial shots of his home in the cutter bill championship arena and cutter bill the stallion his gilded statue was out front. It's all the Cutter Bill Championship Arena now is it's in shambles. It's falling apart. Nobody cared for it after after all this happened. Rex Cobble's home, the first aerial shot, you could see it was going to disrepair. And now you just see kind of the foundation of the home. There's so much that so much history that's been lost as time yeah. has moved on. Yeah, and the, one of the reports that I read too said that Lewis, his stepson, he sold it as quick as he could get rid of it <sighs> because he wanted to cash out on it. He had mm-hmm. no interest in running a horse business that had so much overhead mm-hmm. to it. 
One of the things that I read about Lewis too is that, and again, it goes back to that relationship with muscles and how there's a quote out there that daddy forgot and daddy forgave. And that goes to Lewis and to muscles. I mean, they were, Lewis was given a job as a president of a bank of one of Rex's banks. And Lewis, all he had to do is show up to work, <laughs> pretend like, yeah, like, pretend. Rex, like just pretend you're working yeah, here, yeah. but just show up every day. Yeah, put on so a nice suit, yeah. walk in, smile, say hi, sit at your desk yeah. and pretend. Yeah. So uh, there was a board meeting. Rex was there. Everybody was on time. No Lewis. Mm. Time is ticking by. It's very awkward. Lewis walks in. Rex says, Lewis is here to make an announcement, aren't you, Lewis? And Lewis is like, deer in the headlights. And Rex says, yes, he's resigning from his position. And then Rex punched him no. in the face, laid him out flat. So it's, the story goes that Lewis got up, walked out of the building, <laughs> lit a joint, and got in his $60,000 sports car and drove away. And then the forgave part comes in because two months later, Rex gave him another job. Oh, jeez. Right? So it's kind of that Lewis muscles. Mm -hmm. Maybe that was the motivating factor behind what Rex did with muscles and Lewis just daddy forgave. Do his best that he can as a father and pray it all works out. And it didn't. No. No. Rex was convicted, and after serving five years of what should have been a very lengthy sentence, Rex Cobble was released from prison based on a combination of time served and good conduct. Rex pleaded innocent to the charges and maintained his innocence until the day that he died. Just as you shared, because of his conviction, Rex Cobble had to forfeit his interest in his enterprises and his wife, Josephine, took control of everything with their son, Lewis. Together, Josephine and Lewis renamed the company J&L Partners. Josephine filed for divorce after 32 years of marriage. During those five years that Rex Cobble was spent in prison, he also lost his beloved horse, Cutter Bill. Cutter Bill had passed on. After his release from prison, Rex Cobble lived a relatively quiet life in Dallas. He never wavered in his insistence that he was not guilty of the charges. Roy Graham, Rex Cobble's private jet pilot, considered him a totally honest man. Rex's adamant denial of guilt, combined with his very public disdain for drugs, seems to really support Rex's perspective. Rex Cobble died in 2003 at 89 years old in an Oklahoma hospital. Muscles actually died much earlier than that. He was 60 years old, and he died in July of 1989. An interesting piece, Lynn, that I found was that Rex Cobble, the millionaire cowboy who loved horses, hated drugs, and cozied up to the elite in Texas, is getting an HBO miniseries. It's actually going to be called King Rex. This was just announced in May of 2022. So HBO is going to do a miniseries on Rex Cobble. And the Fonz, Henry Winkler, is associated with that project. So I'm super excited to see that in person now that you and I have spent some time kind of scratching the surface to this huge story. Trying to organize it. We'll see if they did a better job of organizing it than what we've right. done. 
So Lynn and I hope that you've enjoyed this story on Rex Cobble and Muscles Foster and Cutter Bill. And we intend to try to dig into some of these side stories, like the relationship with Josephine and Rex, some of the horses that have been involved. It's a fascinating tale. Stay tuned for more. So that's our story this week. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to spending more time with you and sharing stories of our industry. See you next week.